John B. McClendon pioneered it, Rick Pitino mastered it, and Bob Huggins made it an identity. I'm Justice Rohde, and love it or hate it, this is the Full Court Press. Welcome to the Full Court Press. I'm Justice Rohde. Again, so glad to have you joining me today. First order of business, the transfer portal. It's popping, folks. Let's get into it. Okay, so there's been some shakeups, and a lot of people are moving around. It's it's a pretty busy time to be a college basketball fan. Let's talk about West Virginia. So far, they're the consensus winners of the portal. Um, they bring in Jesse Edwards, the center from Syracuse, the grad transfer, six foot eleven, two hundred thirty pounds. Dude's a pick and roll monster. Dude's a stud. He's really good at basketball. I'm gonna tell you this guy. I'm gonna tell you guys this much. Uh, I watched him at Syracuse. Bad team, good player. Kirk Creesa, the Arizona transfer. Dude, he's he's a bucket. I mean, you just look at a guy like that. What he provides to them offensively. Now, I've always referred to Kirk Creesa as an agent of chaos. Kirk Creesa is an agent of chaos. Okay, He will either shoot you into a game or he will shoot you completely out of a game. That's the kind of effect he has. But he is a nice facilitator. He's a good playmaker. He offers you a lot offensively. And I think that's something that West Virginia has been acting, is that little creative element in years past. And maybe they have before. But Bob Huggins, he went into the transportal. He also gets Manhattan's best player, Jose Perez, had to sit out this last year. Uh, because of just some some personal stuff, disagreements within the program, NCAA didn't grant him a waiver. So he's he's gonna he's their best player. He's a really good athletic six five one ninety five pound wing. I mean, dude, he can just fly. Dude's a bucket. He's gonna provide a lot to West Virginia. I think he's gonna be a real real stud for them moving forward. So now we have to talk about the obligatory. Arkansas, Super Hogs, the Razorbacks, they're back. They reloaded in the transfer portal. They bring in Louisville's best player, L. Ellis, who averaged 20 a game this past year, a six foot, 375 pound combo guard. They bring in Jeremiah Davenport from Cincinnati as the grad transfer. They also bring in Khalif Battle from Temple, averaged 17, almost 18 points a game this year. Dude, he was a stud. He was a real stud for them. Uh, he gave Houston some real problems when they went and played them. Dude, he's a stud. Speaking of Houston, Arkansas brings in Tremont Mark, the six foot five hundred ninety five pound transfer from Houston. He's good. Like he was their second best player this year, outside of Marcus Sasser. He was the dude they got the ball to. I mean, he's an unguardable ISO scorer. Really great rip through package, triple threat package. He's just an explosive first step, athletic finisher type of guy. That's what he provides to a team like Arkansas. So big get for them. And finally, Keon Menafield. I mean, 6'1", 170-pound uh, combo guard, point guard type from Washington. Dude's a stud. He can score He can score the bejesus out of the basketball. Average 28 in high school. Um, he is really, really good at finishing around the rim. He's also really good at getting tricky little mid-range spots and, and being able to finish there when he wants to. So that's a big get for Arkansas. And Missouri, I think that's the final team that we got to touch on. Caleb Grill, you know, had some personal issues at Iowa State. Got kicked off. Took a leave of absence from the team. He's playing at Missouri now. I'm sure Dennis Gates will be able to to rein him in. 
Uh, Tamar Bates from Indiana also transfers in there, the six foot five, hundred ninety, hundred ninety pound shooting guard, also an athletic stud. Uh, dude can just fly. I watched him, dude. He's a rebounding monster, tenacious defender. He'll get after it, and, and that's a big time. That's a Dennis Gage type player, and that's who Mizzou wants. So that's another big get for them. And finally, Don Ch- John Tanji, the uh, the Omaha Central product, six foot five, two hundred ten pound small forward from Colorado State. He's heading there. He'll provide a big boost rebounding wise and defensive wise for the Tigers. Overall, great get for Dennis Gates and his program. They did a really good job reloading so far. In addition to a somewhat decent uh, recruiting class, they should be looking really, really good for this upcoming season. All right. But now I have to air my grievances. I, I just have to air my grievances. Listen, you at home, I'm sure you understand where I'm coming from, but I'm I'm out to back up for this one. I hate the transfer portal. Okay, I just, I hate it, guys. Guys, I just hate the transfer portal. I'm going to be totally honest. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And not because of what it provides. It's the fact that they haven't tuned it yet. My A number one issue with the transfer portal is it takes away opportunity for kids coming out of high school. You got to be the best of the best of the best of the best of the best. The offers just don't come. While that is a good thing for most people, for some of these kids that are already under-recruited, it makes their job even harder. Maybe you have a dude from middle of nowhere, Kansas, putting up 28 a night, nine rebounds, seven assists, second team All-Stater. He ain't getting a look with this current transfer portal. Not a look. You got dudes that should be at the D1 level that are having to settle, yeah, settle for D2 scholarships. D2 guys, D2 caliber guys are going Division three and NAIA and playing on non-athletic scholarships just for a chance to play ball because of these older guys. Now, while this whole, you know, shifting around, it's great for some teams, you know, maybe like a Penn State from this last year. Let's take Penn State. I think they're the quintessential example of a team that reloaded in the transfer portal and were and had immediate success, made it to a Big Ten tournament final, made it to the NCAA tournament in the second round. They are a success story about what the transfer portal is about. I don't love it that a team like Arkansas, who's consistently good as a great recruiting class, gets to just cherry pick through these guys and basically build themselves a super team and deny some of these other kids, you know, they're just basically swiping from these kids. So now some of these these lesser-known schools are having to dive into these, these, you know, they're having to, like, recruit late. It puts them in a bad position. It puts kids in a bad position. I don't, 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 don't like the transfer portal. I also don't like that with this whole new NIL era, it basically becomes a version of college basketball free agency. That's my other big grievance with it. It's really a problem. It's a problem because Kirk Creesa, let's take him for example. You know what he ended up going to West Virginia for? $820,000 and a brand new Cadillac. Let me repeat that again for you. $820,000. And a brand new Cadillac. That's right. The shiny rim, shiny wheels, shiny everything. 
all the latest features, all the latest thingamabobs, anything that you can think of is in that Cadillac. And you know what West Virginia said. We'll give you that if you can come here and shoot the lights out of the ball. I believe absolutely in college athletes getting compensated for their work. I absolutely hate it that it turns into a bidding war over their services and becomes a glorified free agency pool. That's where I draw the line. I don't believe that some of these schools with a larger money pool should be able to go in and just say, hey, we got $820,000. We got a million dollars that we're willing to throw your way if you will come play basketball or even football for our program. If you will come play an athletic sport for our program, we'll give you this and that. No, 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 no. That's not how this was meant to work. This was meant to work so that people in a bad situation can find a way to get another opportunity. This was not meant for these money-hungry, unwilling to compete, these weak-mindsetted people to jump ship and leave for the highest bidder. That is not how this was supposed to be engineered. When the transfer portal was introduced, it was supposed to be to give some of these kids who didn't have a real opportunity on some of these loaded teams, or maybe they made a bad recruiting decision, it was supposed to give them a second opportunity at college life. It was not supposed to turn into a glorified free agent war. That's not what this is supposed to be. And now because of this, you've got ultra-talented players going into these programs that for some of these younger recruits is their dream school and is getting taken away by an older, more experienced guy who should have gone to the draft two years ago if he was worth anything as a basketball player. Could have gone to be a professional. But you know what? I'm going to stick around and get mine now. And you're robbing the kids because of it. They are robbing the kids because of an extra million dollars and a brand new Cadillac. That is what college basketball and the transfer portal has come to. And I am not for it. Not for it. Let's shift segments real quick before I spew all my venom into this podcast and you guys really, really start to dislike this. Let's talk about the Big East for a second. There was a couple of big-time hires out of the Big East. Georgetown, they fire Patrick Ewing, school legend, campus legend, NBA legend. Just could not get it done at Georgetown for whatever reason. Just couldn't keep up schematically, couldn't keep up with the times. Georgetown decides to go into dips their feet into the coaching waters, and they go and grab Ed Cooley from Providence. This is an A-plus hire, folks. This is an A-plus hire. This is a dude that is going to bring you stability, who brings an old-school style of coaching, is a tough-love kind of guy. He is exactly what Georgetown needs as a program. He has the it factor. He's willing to pull in these guys, these big-time recruits. He can pull in some names. He can bring in a couple dudes in the transfer portal. We've already seen an impact from a a transfer portal standpoint. They've already got three dudes in. Big-time gets for Georgetown. 
Ed Cooley is going to bring them discipline. And I believe in three to four years' time, Georgetown will be on top of the Big East. I firmly believe it. And you know who I believe is going to be second? The other team that went and made a hire. St. John's. St. John's, for those of you at home who just, you know, maybe didn't maybe didn't tune in a lot to Big East basketball this year. St. John's went out and had kind of a disappointing season for the roster they had. They had Posh Alexander, Andre Corbello. They bring in DePaul's David Jones. Joel Soriano has a great season last year. He's trying to build off that. And they absolutely wet the bed after an 8-0 start. Get in the conference play and get stomped around. Mike Anderson, completely outcoached, outmatched. Just wasn't up for the task. What do they do? So so we heard about this guy. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if you've heard of him. He coaches at Iona. Uh, you know, I think he led Louisville to a title before it got stripped. What's his name? It's just not coming to me. Rick Patino. Richard Patino is the new head coach for the St. John's Red Storm men's basketball program. For those of you who are not familiar with Mr. Richard Patino, let me educate you. Built UMass from nothing. Built UMass took them to the best years since having Julius Irving, the second coming of basketball Jesus on that court. Brought him back to real success. Went to Kentucky. Took them to the best years since Rupp was there. Goes to the NBA. Comes back to Louisville. Makes Louisville a perennial power. Gets in some trouble with the NCAA. Now he was at Iona. Took the job. Okay. Got a little bit of a smaller, smaller school here. New York area. Never missed the NCAA tournament a single year while coaching them. This man has a pedigree and a history of success in the college basketball level. He knows how to get the most out of young men. He knows how to motivate them. Now, maybe he does it by some illicit means like he did at Louisville. Maybe he does it straight up by the book like he did at UMass. Either way, there is one thing that is for dang sure about Mr. Rick Patino. That gentleman knows how to build a winning basketball program. St. John's will be in great hands for the next couple years to come. I firmly believe they'll be contending for the Big East title as soon as two years from now. They're going to be a force. They might, they might mess around and do it next year. They got some dudes. They still got some dudes. Tosh Alexander and Andre Corbello are still there. We'll, we'll see. It'll be really interesting. I think it'll be really, really interesting to see what they're doing. Let's take a minute and talk about the NBA draft. Got to refresh the the lips a little bit. 
So, so what's going on with the draft? Okay, everybody knows the number one overall pick, whoever that falls to when that NBA draft lottery happens in 26 days' time, whoever lands that number one pick is going to land themselves a generational prospect in Victor Wimbenyama. He's the best prospect that we have probably ever seen. Listed at seven foot five, two hundred and twenty pounds. There is no doubt in my mind Victor Wembanyama is going number one overall, and there's no package that exists on earth that anybody can trade to get his services. Number two, I firmly believe is Scoot Henderson, the six foot two guard from the G League Ignite program. He's the firm number two for me. Now you start to talk about some of these college guys. Brandon Miller had a really, really disappointing March. I mean, just really uh, just wet the bed against San Diego State. Did not have a great outing when Alabama needed him most. It was kind of like Napoleon at the Battle of Waterloo. Brandon Miller, when his team needed him most, when a whole sector of people was behind him, when they needed him most, just when Alabama was hitting their peak dominance, they find the Jenkins armor. Bump, 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 shove, run him off the line, double team him, trap him, whatever we can do. Let's disrupt Brandon Miller. And Brandon Miller faltered. For all of his woes, though, he averaged 18.8 points, 8.2 rebounds, 2.1 assists, a block, and a steal a game. He is the third overall pick in this draft. Now you talk about some of these other guys. Anthony Black is getting a ton of love out of Arkansas. Top six potential pick. Six foot seven combo shooting guard type. Shows flashes as a facilitator. Man, he is he's a player, man. He is a player. Jairus Walker out of Houston. Offers positional versatility. Great defensive motor. And an improved jump shot that has the tools to become very serviceable at the NBA level. Cam Whitmore, to do not seen live, stud, none less needs to say, most physical player I've ever seen. That was the dude that, like, when you when you went up against him, you were like, oh, boy, how do we guard him? Because he'll go through you, he'll go around you, or dadgummit, he'll go over you. He's a stud, projected to go to the Wizards. And number eight, definitely a top 10 pick. Grady Dick from Kansas. He's a shooter. Great off-ball cutter. Good motor. Average 1.4 steals a game. I have concerns about the shot creation with Grady Dick. I have concerns about it. With Grady Dick, I don't know if he can create a shot at his own level. But there's not a path where he doesn't become a solid NBA player just because of the shooting and just because of the off-ball movement. Taylor Hendricks is the final one I'll touch on. He's about 6'10", 215 pounds, average two blocks a game, 1.4 assists, 15.7 rebounds. Duke can jump out of the gym. Taylor Hendricks... To illustrate this to to you at home, Taylor Hendricks is the danger of this draft, I firmly feel. He's a big hit or miss. He's like the new action figure that got released at the toy store 
when you were young, you walk into the toy store, Toys R Us, let's say, before they got closed down. You walk in there and you see the brand new Transformers action figure, Optimus Prime, all the attachments, everything, flashy, new gun, new lasers, bigger helmet, better looking motor. That's Taylor Hendricks. What you don't know is it comes with a damage warning. The damage warning with Taylor Hendricks is will he be able to handle the physicality and the speed of the next level because he played at UCF. So I'll leave you with this before we move on. Toys on a discount. Top 10 pick. Bottom of the lottery guy. You take the chance with the warning. Do you move it on and try to find a more sustainable toy? for you for some of these NBA GMs to decide let's move on now how much does coaching matter in basketball this is a real question this is something I get really fired up about I think coaching matters a ton I'm being so serious I believe firmly in my heart that coaching matters more than anything else in this sport. You can have all the talent you want. If you don't have a coach that can utilize that, that talent will go nowhere. Having a bunch of talent with a bad coach is like having a big fancy new 2023 Maserati And the engine is from 1978. It's not compatible. It's not going to run the way that it's supposed to. We saw it in the NCAA tournament. San Diego State. Florida Atlantic. Miami. UConn. What do all those schools have in common? Kansas State, include them. Michigan State. Gonzaga, UCL, what do those teams have in common? Great coaches who get the most possible out of their players. That is what these teams have in common. What they have in common is that when it comes down to crunch time, they know their guys so well, they can put them in positions to succeed. What did we see time and time again with UConn? Jordan Hawkins on the move, catching the ball and shooting the ball as quick as possible. They got their two big guys down low. Bumping around, shoving around, getting rebounds, creating havoc on the inside. Andre Jackson. Hey, you see that guy over there? He know he's gone for eight in a row. Just go shut him down. Don't worry about scoring the ball. Facilitate. Set everybody up. But on that defensive end, you go beat that dog. That's what a good coach does. A good coach is like a master chef with a bunch of leftover ingredients. A good coach can take those leftover ingredients and make them into a masterfully blended recipe. A recipe for success. A delectable 
object in your mouth. A master chef can take some things that maybe don't, wouldn't usually work well together, and he can make them work. He can make them succeed at a very high level. Where an average coach or even a bad coach would look at those things and say, man, what am I going to do? The good coach already has the oven turned on. Recipes already in his head. This is what I'm going to do. Let me think about this. Hmm. Okay. All right. That's what we're doing. They have a game plan. It's all in vision. That's what great coaches do. Coaching matters more than you'll ever realize because you also, what comes with being a good coach is the ability to relate to young men and women at any level of basketball. Firmly believe this. Firmly believe this. LSU head coach, LSU women's basketball head coach, love her. Love her. She does a great job relating to her players. Just gets them on a personal level. That's what it takes. Coaching is so much more than the X's and O's of the sport. It's about knowing your players inside and out and what they're feeling mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. It's about knowing chemistry and understanding which players may work better with each other than others. And where the we- and how to use the strengths of your team to mask your weaknesses. Until you can build those weaknesses and the strengths. That's how coaching matters in basketball. All right, let's jump into the player you forgot about. Ladies and gentlemen, players you forgot about for this week is drum roll, please. Mighty Mouse, Carson Edwards, University of Purdue standout, Carson Edwards. Currently playing overseas in Turkey for Fenerbahce. Thought they were just a soccer team, if I'm going to be honest. Mr. Edwards forgoed his final season of college eligibility after leading Purdue to the Elite Eight in the South Region. was named the most outstanding player player in the South Region during his junior season, 2018-2019. Consensus, second-team All-American, third-team All-American. Jerry West Award winner, two-time first-team All-Big Ten, and the G League scoring champ last year for the Salt Lake City Stars. Duke can score. He's good at basketball, man. He is good at basketball. Selected by the Philadelphia 76ers, ended up playing two years for the Boston Celtics. Now he's overseas in Turkey playing his trade. How about that? Had 28 last week. 27 games played, only starts two games, shooting 46% from the field, 36% from three, 83% from the field, averaging a solid 7.7 points per game. Good on Carson Edwards. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I remember watching him throw down those left-handed dunks at all 5'9 that he is, watching him just light, light it up, just shooting the basketball. Man, he is. He was fun to watch. So, yeah. That is what happened to Carson Edwards. Now, it's time for our two-way impact player of the week. One last swig of water. Did you know? Three-time NBA slam dunk champ. 
Oklahoma City Thunder and New York Knicks legend, University of Washington basketball standout. I'll give you five seconds to think about who this is. If you guessed Nate Robinson, you were correct. Five foot nine, three times slam dunk challenge him. He was a starting corner for the University of Washington football team. Played quarterback. Cornerback. Not quarterback. Cornerback. That dude was out there locking people up. He wasn't the dude th- he wasn't the dude throwing the ball. He was the one getting thrown at. He said, Man, come my way. See what happens. You know where his hands going. Jammer. Presser. He was a dog at Washington. Uh, eventually, after his sophomore season, focused on basketball, made his way to the NBA. But he played bigger and then his height, man. Five foot nine, big, strong athlete. You know, was just a dog in the University of Washington. I was watching some of his highlights earlier, and I said, goodness, I mean, he just absolutely jammed this dude from Washington State. It was incredible. It was some dog-level stuff. Yeah, it was taken in 2005 out of Rainier Beach High School when he went to Washington, drafted in 2005 into the NBA. Yeah, he ran track, played basketball. Dude, he's got some stuff. Picked off a pass against Washington State in the Apple Cup. Also jammed a dude in that game. Yeah, it was some nasty stuff. But yeah, two-way impact player of the week, Nate Robinson. All right, folks. That's all I have for you. Thank you so much for joining me again. Again, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, socials, JJ underscore Rody on both Instagram and Snapchat, get after me. Otherwise... This has been the Full Court Press. I'll see you next week. Ciao.